Chop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's premium martial arts training equipment. Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom-made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all, Kosho offers Makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high quality and heavy duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email koshoschoolofkarate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist. Welcome back to Chop Talk. I'm your host, Nate England. Wherever you listen to the show, please write a review and give us a five-star rating. Check out photos and links from this week's show on the Chop Talk Facebook page, and be sure to share this post with everyone at your dojo. This week, one of the members of the Kosho School of Karate in Cincinnati, Ohio, Dr. Andy Wells, joins us to talk about the only thing in the news, COVID-19 and the coronavirus. Dr. Wells is an internal medicine physician and will be starting a cardiology fellowship this summer at a major academic medical center. Dr. Wells breaks down exactly what this virus is, what makes it different from the flu, and the best way to prevent yourself from getting it, and what to do if you do have symptoms, and also the current situation with protective equipment at the hospitals. We've temporarily stopped holding classes at the dojo in Cincinnati, moving to online video classes instead. But for those listeners around the world that are still having group training, uh, the doctor tells us the best way to stay safe and prevent infections at your dojo. At the end of the show, I surprised the doc with some of the most horrific martial arts injuries I have heard of, and he tells us the best way to treat them. Now, after the interview, uh, Dr. Wells reached out and asked that I add one more important piece of information to the show. So, if there's anyone out there, such as dentists or veterinarians, that has the proper medical equipment, such as masks or gloves, would they please donate them to your local hospital? Your schnauzer will have to take its chances during its appendectomy, and maybe you can hold off installing ice grills until after the pandemic. But the doctors, nurses, and other medical professionals who are dealing with this virus firsthand need as much help as they can get right now. To find out the latest info on the coronavirus and COVID-19, visit the CDC's website at www.cdc.gov. If you have any questions for Dr. Wells, please reach out through the Chop Talk Facebook page or send an email to choptalkwithnateengland at gmail.com and I will forward them along to the doctor. Thanks for listening, and enjoy the show. In today's show, we're joined by uh, one of our Kosho Karate members, Dr. Andy Wells. How are you doing, Andy? Hey, good. How are you? Good. And and we're here this week to talk about a very uh, serious topic that uh, people have been talking about all week, and and that is, uh, Andy, did you see on the new episode of of Picard, Star Trek Picard, that Picard actually went to Okinawa. And uh, no, I didn't. See he that. did, and he visited. They called it the Daystrom Institute, and uh, it was a uh, like an Android research center. But the screenshot they used wasn't of Okinawa at all. It was like someone went out to the coast of Southern California and then digitally painted it like a, a high tech university on top of it. It's it's unbelievable. They should have just taken a photo of Manzamo, the cliff there in Okinawa, and put it on top of that. I I, I really needed a doctor's opinion on this. What are your thoughts? <laughs> well, uh, considering everything that's going on, we probably shouldn't be traveling anywhere. But since that was probably done before the current uh, oh. virus situation, <laughs> that's, that's just laziness. That's that's true. That is uh, okay. Yeah, it is. It was before the outbreak. We can't go and verify ourselves now uh, that what it looks like. So okay, all right, it makes sense. All right, now seriously, the thing that we're all t- we're all talking about, all worried about, is uh, the COVID crisis. Um, and I wanted to have somebody on that could talk about this correctly. You know, ever, there's a lot of rumors going around. Do this, don't do that. 
but I wanted somebody that really knew what they were doing, i.e. a doctor. So um, before we get into it all, could you give us your background, first of all, your background in the martial arts and your background in uh, medicine, how you got involved in, in both? Yeah, sure. So they're kind of intertwined in a way, too. Mm. So originally, I had uh, studied to be a musician of all things, and then <laughs> okay, you know, I it, yeah. So as part of that, I, uh, I used to play in a few hospitals. I was a member of a fraternity um, mm. that would that was kind of their mission was to be able to uplift people in the hospital with music. Oh, okay. Um, and then after yeah, doing that for a while, I kind of thought well, I'd really like to be a little bit more directly uh, helping these individuals. So kind of inspired me to go back and look into medicine and and I really fell for it and uh kind of went did the whole training med school uh pre-med classes all of those things and made it to where I am now so okay currently I uh I I'm I'm about to start into cardiology uh but I'm still in internal medicine which is kind of an adult general adult uh medical field okay so for me we're we're one of the groups that are frontline for this COVID-19 outbreak. Um, of course, every, everyone knows the emergency room physicians as well. Um, right. And then, of course, lung doctors and infectious disease doctors are very involved too. So we're all kind of, we're all up, right up front with it. It, it sounds like everybody but, in the medical profession is, is going to be all hands on deck in this. They're even pulling people what, out of retirement or uh, that, ha- that yeah, have Yeah, no, it's true. We nationally, at least here in America, we I haven't heard too much of them. But again, there may be in New York and then uh, some of those uh, like Oregon or rather Washington, I should say. Hmm. Um, those areas may be doing that. We haven't had to be doing anything like that yet. Okay. Um, but in in terms of the martial arts, though, so as I was getting into it, you know, whenever you're training in medicine, obviously you get pretty stressed out, and yeah. so I had always wanted a good workout where I felt. I actually was learning something practical at the same time. I feel like it's really hard to work out if you're just running miles and miles for right. no apparent reason. So luckily for me, across the street was this dojo, the Kosho School of Karate. Yeah. Uh, and I thought, well, this is my chance. I've always wanted to do this. I, and I happened to walk in when uh, Sensei David Hammond was there and uh, just asked, hey, I'm interested in this. He signed me right up. And ever since then, I've I've actually gotten incredibly fit i feel like it's one of the best workouts you can do for your health um as long as you're doing it correctly right and uh and since then yeah and since then uh i haven't looked back oh that's awesome uh you've been a real important member of the dojo ever since you've been working out here for it's been a, a couple of years three years now yeah i think going on three years now oh wow okay and and you made a great yeah. point about about the workout um I found it extremely repetitive to just run around a track or uh, just to lift weights. Now, now I'm getting more into lifting weights and I enjoy it more. But, you know, 20 years ago, it was just boring. You go in and you do the same thing every time. Um, but the martial arts, you're doing something different. You're learning something different. You can always improve and you're getting a workout while you do it. Yeah. And I felt like there was a confidence aspect because it's more than just the physical workout to it as well. It's kind of a, mm. the way you carry yourself, the way you kind of interact with others, you know, and of course, karate being from more of a mindset of, I don't want to have to use the tools that I've been training with, but if I had to in a, in, in a pinch and I had no other options. So it yeah. kind of helps that, that worldview as well. Yeah, definitely. Oh, that's great. Yeah. Well, well yeah. now let's get into the, the, the heavier topic uh, today. Um, so can you give us, you know, first off, could you break down exactly what this coronavirus is? Right. So the coronavirus, which is uh, classified as SARS-CoV-2, um, is, is a member of a family which is called coronavirus. So it's one of many in a, in a family mm. and thinking of it similar to how a family of people, you know, there's all different people within a family, they share characteristics, but you know, one brother isn't necessarily the same as the next brother in the family, mm-hmm. uh, even sure. if they're identical. So this new virus that's come out is similar to the one that caused the SARS epidemic in China in the early 2000s. Mm. 
The difference is that this one is a lot more virulent, and by that I mean contagious. So it tends to jump very quickly. Um, it doesn't take very many days for it to jump to the next person. And in fact, what we, as more and more data comes back, since this is so new, we're just learning really quickly about it, um, it seems that about for every person who's infected with coronavirus that isn't aware of it or, you know, it doesn't have the proper protection to protect others, they will infect at least two to three people as well. Wow. Now, we should, because yeah. things are changing so rapidly on this, we should say that, you know, we are recording this uh, on Sunday, April 5th, and, and things just seem to be changing every day, and you're learning, uh, we're learning more and more about the details of this and how far it's spread. Uh, so by the time people are listening to this, there'll probably be even more detailed information out there. So you talked about people sp- spreading it early. So how quickly, how quickly can you spread it once you? So once you... It, yeah. So a lot of this is just kind of presumed because you know we're not testing everybody in, in the U.S. right now. But what we know mm. from China and what we know from Italy um, is that for the first four to five days, when somebody has contracted uh, COVID nineteen, which is the disease caused by the SARS CoV two virus. Okay. Um, for those first four to five days, they're mostly asymptomatic. Now, up until about two to three days before they start showing symptoms, the the current data, which again, I, and I want to highlight is preliminary because mm. we don't, this is all new, um, people are already shedding virus um, from, their, from the droplets in their spit and then their saliva and of course from their nose as well. Mm. Um, so so it, that's kind of what's been driving now the new CDC recommendation, I'm sure that most people have heard about, which is to wear masks in public. Right. So the, the, reason, the rationale behind that isn't to necessarily protect yourself, but what happens is that for those individuals who are asymptomatic, you're protecting others from you if you're not aware of it. Um, and so it's, it's really important for folks to, to do that, especially in crowded areas like grocery stores and on buses and things like that. Mm-hmm to protect others because they may not even realize that they're infected with this SARS-CoV-2. Oh, okay. So, and that's something, you know, people, uh, you know, always would make fun of the Japanese. Oh, everyone's wearing a mask all the time. But but it wasn't the reason that, that, you know, when you saw before this all, of course, the reason you saw Japanese people wearing masks wasn't because they were afraid of catching something from you. It's maybe they had a cold or a cough. And they were taking care not to spread it to somebody else. So that's what's going on here. You won't necessarily um, prevent yourself from catching it by by wearing a uh, wearing a do rag over your face. But maybe if you're coughing and hacking and spitting and sneezing, it won't go out and get somebody else. And what I will say too is that this virus works very similar to ways that the influenza virus that causes flu uh, and, of course, the many, many cold viruses that we encounter every year, mm-hmm. is that it, it can only work if it gets to your mouth, your nose, or your eyes. And the way that it does that easily is by your hand. And so everybody has, you know, touched their face. Well, I mean, human nature to touch your face, and I'm sure right. as I'm saying this, many of us, including myself, are feeling like, oh, man, my nose itches all of a sudden now that I, we're talking about it. Mine did. I just scratched it. You, you would just feel <laughs> yeah, exactly. so. So the, the the key to preventing this, and and again, this is really what what helps me feel more comfortable when I'm in a hospital. I'm around this so much now, mm. is that it it has to get from your hands to your face. And so if you are just diligent about washing your hands, using hand sanitizer every time you touch a doorknob or a railing or you know, the elevator in your, in your apartment building or, you know, something like that. Mm-hmm. And then you don't touch your face as well, then you will be okay. Okay. And I think the, the, the face mask idea, not only, as I said, to prevent from others, but what it does is it helps us be aware of not touching our face. Okay. It makes sense. Now, so what is the difference between, you said this is very similar to the flu, at least in the way that it spreads. So what is the difference between what's going on now and the typical flu? Like people die from the flu every year. Thousands of people die. So what is the difference between the COVID-19 and just your 
typical flu. Right. So the way that the flu works every year is it's the similar, again, it's the same idea where it's a similar family, but the flu has this unique ability to change its genetic makeup. And it does that um, in a bunch of ways I won't get into, but it usually only does a little bit of a change each year. And that's why every year we have a new vaccine that comes out where a group of folks from across the globe get together and try to determine which of these virus shifts and uh, influenza is going to be the most common one this year. And they try to make the vaccine based on that. Sometimes it works well, sometimes it doesn't. Mm. You should always get a flu vaccine just to put that out there. But um, the, the difference is that our bodies are used to, our immune systems are used to fighting the flu. Now, when every once in a while, of course, like you had mentioned, there are people that die every year from the flu. It's very serious when it gets certain individuals. But for the most part, when those of us get the flu, we get knocked out, we come back because mm-hmm. our bodies have fought off other flu viruses before. Sure. Additionally, we have treatment for the flu. We have Tamiflu, also called Oslotamivir. And then we also uh, do the vaccines, which not only protects people sometimes outright from catching the flu, but it also primes the body and the immune system. If you do get the flu, it ideally won't be as intense or severe. Okay. We don't have any of that for COVID-19. We don't have any vaccines. We don't have any treatments. There are a few that are the FDA is trying to rush through research, Mm -hmm. uh, one in particular, which is really only for absolutely severe people on ventilators. Mm. Um, and it's showing some promise, but it's still new. And then, um, the other issue too, is that our bodies were used to some, uh, coronaviruses causing the common cold, but this one is completely different, uh, from most of those. So for us, our immune system hasn't seen this before, mm. especially here in America and in Italy and places like that. So because it, this was a a virus that recently mutated or recently jumped from animals to people. So it's there's it's basically either it's either completely new or completely unknown until the last few months. Right. And the thought is that this will eventually enter into the cycle of other cold viruses where as time goes on it's not as severe each year. And then it eventually is just, you know, you might get like a cough and shortness, like you know, maybe a fever and a cough eventually down okay. years down the road for humanity. <clears throat> you, uh, you just psychosomatically made me clear my throat. <laughs> <laughs> I have that effect on people. <laughs> this is Mike Tarvin of Tarvin Plumbing Company. You may have heard me answering questions as a plumbing expert on the Gary Sullivan Show over the years. I'm here today to make you aware of our company. We perform plumbing repairs of all types. We've been in business since 1907 through five generations of family members. That's 109 years of providing top quality workmanship and outstanding service. If you're having issues with leaks, stoppages, water heaters, fixtures, or piping, we're here to help. Spring rains may be taking a toll on your sump pump. To help out, ask us about our summer sump pump special. We can inspect the existing pump and replace it if necessary for a special summer price. We can also inspect or add a battery backup and other devices for extra security to keep you high and dry. We offer you peace of mind for your plumbing system with reliable, trustworthy service backed by years of experience. Tarvin Plumbing is a Cincinnati company with an appreciation of the wide range of plumbing challenges this city offers. So if you or someone you know has a need for plumbing repairs of any type, please think of us at Tarvin Plumbing. You can reach us at tarvinplumbing.com. That's tarvinplumbing.com. Thank you. So the, the biggest problem is that right now, because it's new, people can't fight it off. So, and it's very contagious. The, the, the issue, the issue is that if everybody does get it at the same time, that's going to overwhelm the system. The vast majority of people, of course, it's very serious for some are going to be able to fight it off. But if everybody gets it at the same time, that's, what's really going to overwhelm you and everybody else at the, at the hospital. Yeah, absolutely. And, and, so the issue is that not as I know everybody's heard, we're running out of protective equipment for healthcare workers like myself, and then we're also going to run low on ventilators. So about five to six percent of folks who who get COVID nineteen um, end up needing ICU level of care, which includes a ventilator um, needing to be uh, you know in and out of procedures to try to maintain their their um, able to keep oxygen in their blood, hmm. and so. 
everybody came at once, then there would not be enough rooms, there wouldn't be enough ventilators, and then we would definitely have a lot more uh, lives lost. So the idea of this whole, and what, what you're kind of referring to is the flattening of the curve. Mm. So the idea that we're, we're socially distancing each other, we're trying to stay six feet away from everybody, not getting a whole bunch of parties together, you know, unfortunately canceling dojo classes and the things like that, right. because we're preventing that asymptomatic transmission between people, which will eventually become symptomatic. And if everybody's sick at once, then we're really in trouble. Right. Now, just to be on the safe side, Doc, um, I'm not only socially distancing myself from people, I'm also emotionally distancing myself from everyone. <laughs> well, and, uh, I'll tell you that that's actually one of the tricky parts of this whole thing is that the de- rates of depression, of course, have been skyrocketing mm. as well um, as we do this. So it's very important that people are still taking care of themselves in the meantime, too, still practicing their uh, kata at home and things like that and yeah. you know, trying to stay as fit as you can. Absolutely. But if, you, if that's just your own personal uh, fault, then <laughs> I'm not going to get into that. I don't go into psychiatry too much. So. <laughs> okay. So, uh, so at least here in Ohio, bars, restaurants are closed. Most offices are closed. Gyms, the dojo, as you mentioned, uh, is closed. We're doing video classes, which seem to be going okay. Uh, and people are quarantining them, themselves at home. Is is this helping? Yeah. So at least for Ohio, from what I can speak of, is that um, our Ohio State University has really churned a lot of these numbers, and it looks like that this this curve it was going to be an enormous peak uh, that would have happened probably around this time. It would have really been getting into it. Uh, instead, we've delayed the initiation of the surge to about probably the second half of April, maybe into May, but most likely in a week or two from now. Um, And then the overall amount of cases at a given time is just going to be spread out fantastically. So we predict, at least for the academic center where I am, that uh, we're going to be able to stay at or below capacity um, for all these folks. Now, of course, every major city, including uh, where we are in Cincinnati, is that we're finding other areas too that we can use in case that exceeds the capacity of our individual hostels already set up. Um, so that that's something that the state's already thinking and looking into. And I know that what we're really trying to avoid is what's going on in New York. Unfortunately mm. for New York, they are at their surge is going beyond their capabilities, which is why there's so much news about New York city, especially. So Right now um, we've been in, I guess maybe quarantine's not the right the right word, uh, but since our Ohio has been pretty much shut down for two to three weeks, um, it sounds like uh, that the incubation period is at the most two weeks. So shouldn't people be showing symptoms now or last week? Possibly, but the the issue is that not everybody has been exposed to it yet. Now, we know that it's at least in, I mean, it's definitely in Ohio. I can verify that there are individuals already testing positive throughout the state. Um, but you may not have run into those individuals yet. So okay. we, if, if everybody's getting back together right now, and let's say we all had a bunch of dojo classes together, yeah. there may be one person who this who never showed symptoms at all for whatever reason there are folks who just don't show any symptoms mm-hmm. yet they're still contagious for up to two weeks mm-hmm. they get back together and now boom you spread to two to three and then those people right, spread to right. two or three and then they you know so then all of a sudden we have enormous capacity that or i'm sorry uh, surge that comes in to the hospital right so i mean i i'm a karate bachelor so you know i'm living like a monk already so i'm i go home and there's nobody else there it's 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 just me but most people aren't like that. They go home and they have a family or wife or kids or grandma living there. And so they can spread it to everybody in their house. Now, you mentioned that some people don't show, show symptoms. I, I mean, are they really not showing symptoms or are they, does it seem, ah, I just have a cold. It's no, no big deal. And what's the breakdown uh, between, you know, people who aren't either aren't showing symptoms or showing minor symptoms or need to be hospitalized well and so it, that's a great question and it's difficult to really suss that out 
if anybody is feeling cough or fever or a sore throat and fever or anything that's similar to a cold in general, mm-hmm. I would say assume that you have COVID-19 and mm-hmm. do what you should be doing, which is quarantining yourself until you're fever-free for at least 72 hours, um, making sure that if you're in a house or a, or a home that has other family members that you are as much as possible staying in one room by yourself, mm. uh, using one bathroom just for you, if at all possible. Right. And then and when you leave your room wearing a mask, not to say you can't come out and say hi to your family if you're feeling okay, right. but you wear a mask when you come out. If you have any of those symptoms, you don't need the testing to prove it. You should just assume that's what you have. Mm. However, so the, the, what I will say, though, to go back to your point about being a karate bachelor, though, is that even as a karate bachelor, if you're coughing, you have this cold-like symptom, when you're going into, you know, the public area, if you're going to, like, a grocery store or oh, you're going course. home and, and if you live in a complex, you know, you're going to be holding onto the handrail and then all of a sudden, you know, those folks, too. Yes, yes, yes. Of course, yeah. I, I mean, I'm, I, if I ever showed symptoms, of course, I'd, you know, I'd just hunker down, hunker down here. I wouldn't, you know, go out and lick the doorknob of the lobby or anything <laughs> like that. Um, well, that might give you COVID too. Oh, oh, yeah. <laughs> um, so, uh, okay. Now <clears throat> people, I've seen a lot of people going, being outside and active and people are staying home with their families or doing yard work and things like that. And, you know, and I have gone out, you know, I've gone out for a, for a run and things like that. And I tried to be reasonable and not, uh, not be close to anybody, but when you're, I, I've seen some some interesting things as I've as I've been out. The, the first one I was I was driving, and uh, there was two people that were going to pass each other on the sidewalk. And uh, I'm sorry, there's three people. One coming, let's say, at me, and the other two going in the same direction as me. I was driving in my car, and uh, as they went there, the two people sprinted sprinted out into the street to avoid w- driving past the uh, walking past the person on the sidewalk. Um, can, from a medical perspective, can you tell me if getting hit by a 2012 silver Volkswagen Jetta will kill you faster or slower than jogging by somebody uh, for 1.5 seconds? Well, depending on the speed of that Jetta. It was 15 uh, miles the over the speed limit. 50 miles per hour. So, uh, um, yeah, it was, uh, I was in a 35 and I was going probably 50. Yeah. Uh, five zero. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, I would not want to get hit by either to be honest, but yes, the Jetta would probably be a lot worse. Um, okay. so it, I, I think the, the, the concern is now everybody in America is a germaphobe just instantly right. from the starting you know, and, and, and for good reason, I don't want to downplay that and that we should always, as I said, be washing hands, not touching your face uh, and, and things like that. But the CDC and then Infectious Disease Society, those that call that uh, exposure to a COVID patient, prolonged exposure specifically, is at least two minutes within six feet. So if you're just walking by someone, you know, it, I guess if you were really paranoid, you could hold your breath for a minute. Um, but it wouldn't be considered a prolonged exposure to the point that you're high risk of, of uh, contracting COVID-19. Now, don't go out and, you know, shake hands with your buddy and, right, right. and like, think, okay, as long as we're only shaking hands for two minutes, we're fine. Um, but, <laughs> it's, a, it's a hell of a, a soul yeah. shake, you know. <laughs> Give him the double saying, you know, and... <laughs> maybe, maybe I should have made it arm wrestling instead, but, you know, but either way, um, if you're just walking by someone, you, you should be okay. You know, but if that one person is hacking and coughing and all over with their mouth wide open and not coughing into their elbow like like we should be doing, right? Um, then that's different. Okay. So what I just I want to be I want to follow all the necessary, reasonable, recommended precautions, but I don't want to go nuts and be paranoid about it. I want to be safe, but not be a weirdo. Another one I saw. This is when I was out out jogging. Um, I, I was I was jogging down the road, uh, down the sidewalk, uh, and there's a a man. He's about he's about thirty yards ahead of me. Saw me coming, and scrambled up this hill, 
to the side, and like in somebody's yard, he scrambled up this hill, slipped, fell, almost rolled his ankle to avoid <laughs> to avoid me. And and then another one was um, again. I was just I was in the park jogging down the sidewalk, and um, I just had a noise in the background. I'll clip that out. Uh, I was jogging in the park, and uh, again, this old woman saw saw she was you know. I don't know. She was in her 70s. She goes off the sidewalk, bends over, and, and is gasping for air. <gasps> like gasping like a boated bass as I, I went by and everybody else went by. I, I, it, that seems too much. You're a doctor. You tell me. Yeah, yeah that, that's a bit much. Um, and, and again, I, I, you know, as long as you're not... The, the biggest way this is going to get transmitted is from... People coughing on, you know, or, or inadvertently putting so- their hands on something and then touching their face. You know, okay. so if, if, again, if someone's running by you, you know, if, if you're really uncomfortable, you could turn your head the other way. It's not necessary hmm. um, because unless they're looking at you at your face, breathing into your face and coughing and then licking your head as they walk by, <laughs> you're probably okay. Um <laughs> But you know, it, it's this is a this is a scary time. Yeah, um, yeah. And and so folks are are overreacting. It's probably better than underreacting. Yeah. Uh, but it, the histrionics part of it probably doesn't add too much. Now, I will say though that I, I do want to address one thing that, um, and I'm not trying to scare everyone, but I want to be completely straight. Yes. Is that there is this this kind of idea that this only hits elderly populations. Okay. Um, it's true that children don't seem to have as bad of a course or any at all um, by children i mean less than 14 years of age um there's been scattered cases of one or two kids having issues usually they have lung disease already um but but this disease will hit folks of all ages above so there are 20 something year olds coming in there are 30 something year olds 40s 50s 60s and above um it seems to be worse usually for folks over 65 however it 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 is non-discriminatory uh and and who will have severe cases and who will not Um, you say non-discriminatory so it it depending no matter your age your health level it's possible that you could come down with the most severe level of symptoms yes and it yes and it there's and again all of this is information that we're learning on as we go along Mm-hmm. It seems that folks who have a more prolonged contact, such as emergency room physicians and things like that, who are around a lot of this virus, right. tend to have a little bit more severe cases. That's a thought that we don't know. And it also seems that men seem to have it worse than women for severe mm-hmm. cases. Also, we're not sure why. There's a lot of theories. Huh. Uh, you know, before we go on, I, I would like to add that if anybody does injure themselves while they're trying to avoid me while they're jogging, I, I will give you mouth-to-mouth resuscitation. <laughs> I, instantaneously, whether you need it or not. You're, if you're writhing on the ground because you broke your ankle or got hit by my car, mouth-to-mouth it is. <laughs> no uh, matter what. No you matter know, what. I will say, too, that, it, and, and, and I've addressed this to some other folks before, though, that there's this weird sensation in the hospital where we're really, I mean, other than the COVID situation, of course, we're not that busy and it's very nerve wracking because I suspect what's happening is that folks who have other medical problems that are, that need to go to a hospital for that reason are not going because they're worried about COVID-19. And I want to make sure everyone knows if you have a medical emergency where otherwise outside of all of this pandemic, you would have gone to the hospital please still go to the hospital because you may get worse and the longer you wait in general is never good. Mm. So don't let COVID-19 scare you and think, okay, I can just wait another few days and see if this gets better. If you feel like you should be going to a hospital, you should go anyway. Okay. That's, that's a good point. Um, unless you're getting a breast augmentation, then maybe wait till June. Yeah. That one, you can wait a little longer. Okay. Um, so speaking of the people in the hospital, uh, what I've been hearing from you, the other Kosho medical staff, and a few of my other uh, friends in the medical community is that 
you guys aren't necessarily getting all the protective equipment you you want and need. So can you give us some more details on that? Yeah, it's 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 really difficult as as I know a lot of news reports have have been pointing out. Um, the, the national supply is very low. Uh, to truly protect us, we would need a medical mask to cover our mouth and nose. Um, an eye protective piece, sometimes those masks have eye protection as well. Because remember, those are the three ways that this gets into uh, the body. Mm-hmm. Um, gloves, of course, because how you know, we have to be able to examine patients. And then usually uh, there's some type of down to cover you. Uh, so you don't get any on your clothing and you know, people are coughing. And obviously we're within one feet of people who are sick with this disease for mm-hmm. a prolonged amount of time. Right. So... Um, the last piece, of course, is an N95 mask, which at this point we really only need for procedures that tend to make people cough or spit up a lot. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's, that's still very important. Of course, anybody on a ventilator, that, that they are already included in that group. Sure. So the, the issue isn't as much that the hospitals aren't trying to provide equipment. It's that we just don't have enough, mm-hmm. nationally speaking. I think it's reassuring now that you know, there's companies that are coming forward to produce equipment that would, like a bunch of car companies, for example, are now producing medical equipment and ventilators and things. Um, but it's it it gets very scary because you know, this is such a uh, um, a silent kind of uh, killer that right. we have no idea when we're infecting. And then not only are we worried for ourselves, but you know, if I'm interacting with this patient that I don't have no idea if they really have COVID. And then I don't have the right equipment. Then I go to another patient who's here for a completely different reason. You know, we just don't want to spread it to other individuals, patients, ourselves, families, things like that, too. Right. Now, are th- are they? Is the you know, is there a secret back room of the hospital that only the the head administrator has a key to that has a bunch of equipment in there? And they're just not releasing it because they're afraid that the guys that are in the emergency room and having that first contact will just burn through it. You know, like everybody's more worried right now. You know, are they afraid people are going to burn through this equipment? So they're trying to keep it in reserve for when the the peak of the wave hits? Or is it just really not there? Well, if if they are, I, I'm not one of those guys that has access <laughs> or the knowledge. Okay. Uh, I'm not high enough, I guess. But, uh, no, I, I really don't believe they are. Uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, um, the, the hospital administrators care about their staff, you know, and I, and I know sure. that that's kind of a loaded statement that, you know, anybody who works in any company could, could disagree with, you know, whoever their administrative folks are for them. But, um, but at least where I am, I, tr- I truly believe that. And I yeah. feel like they're, they're trying their best to conserve equipment, knowing that we could easily run out at any moment and keep us updated when new shipments are coming in. Um, And, and, you know, we're playing around with a lot of different ideas. I know a lot of hospitals in the area and the nation are about how to preserve equipment, uh, looking into ways to be able to reuse equipment where we can. Mm -hmm. But at the end of the day, I mean, all of us in healthcare, whether or not we feel this way from minute to minute, we know that this is something we're signing up for that we're doing the best we can with the equipment we have and we're taking a risk, but you know what? We want to help people. So sure. Well, that's great. I mean, I think everyone really appreciates everything that you and the other people in the industry are, are doing. Um, so don't make like a huge birth around me when I'm outside either. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It will put a bubble around you. Exactly. Before you yeah. come back to the dojo. Um, okay. So if you are having, you know, if you are having symptoms, you know, at what point do you need to go to the uh, emergency room? At what point do you need to contact your doctor? Uh, or should you just stay hunkered down? So if you're having fevers and uh, cough and things like that, you can, and again, it's hard for me to give exact, uh, you know, black and white kind of uh, symptoms. But in general, if you're having cough, excuse me, and you're having uh, a fever, you're, you're most likely going to be okay at home. Um, mm-hmm. There's a lot of conflicting data, but I would say in general, probably stay away from ibuprofen and Advil. Use mm-hmm. more of Tylenol or what's also called acetaminophen okay. um, to treat your fever. 
And then if, if you're feeling better in a few days and you're fever free, you can just assume, Oh my goodness, I had COVID. I'm going to be able to tell all my grandkids about this. Wow. Um, <laughs> but if you're starting to get into shortness of breath, that's probably a bigger indicator to go to the emergency room uh, and be seen by a doctor. Um, okay. We know that about the so folks who develop symptoms about four to five days um, later, that's around the time when if it's going to be severe, it's going to start manifesting. You're gonna, people will start feeling short of breath, harder to get, you know, from one side of the room to the other. Um, that's when you would really want to go in. Now, don't mm. wait too long if you feel uncomfortable at any point. Do what you need to do for yourself. Right. Go to see, get seen by a physician. But uh, shortness of breath is probably the bigger reason to go. Or if okay. you have underlying medical problems like you're on chemotherapy for cancer, you have an immune problem, or you have you know, diabetes really severe and things like that. So I think you suggested that my 85-year-old grandma with severe COPD and a recently broken hip should not strap two oxygen bottles to her back like a scuba diver and drive her riding lawnmower to Walmart just to prove that she still can? <laughs> no, she probably should not be doing that. Uh, it's safer to stay at home for a while. I had to advise my 85-year-old uh, father, or sorry, assumed to be 85-year-old father, mm. the same thing as well, that you should be staying home, leave bridge for another day, and then <laughs> you can get back into it later. All right, you, you hear that, Grammy? This isn't coming from your kids or grandkids. It's coming from a medical doctor. Just stay in your house. <laughs> you can ride a lawnmower inside if you find a way to do that. She could. She can that's fire, not up to me. She can fire it up in her garage. Looking for a way to gain an edge on the competition? Want to give your body some much-needed relief and relaxation? Try Medical Resort ATAC, Okinawa's specialists in sports therapy and wellness care. ATAC offers customizable massage therapy. Try their oxygen chamber to increase metabolism, reduce fatigue, and promote faster recovery from injuries. Take their stretching course to increase flexibility and release muscle fatigue. ATAC also offers special courses in static and thermal therapy, foot therapy, and head therapy. Or try a session of ATAC's latest offering, acupuncture therapy, with their fully licensed acupuncture therapist. Want to find out more? ATAC is open Monday through Saturday, 10 a.m. to 8 p.m. Stop into their center located at 12830 Oroku in Naha City, Okinawa. Call 098-859-1890 or visit them on the web at www.a-tac.net. That's www. .a-tac.net Staff is fluent in English, Portuguese, Spanish, and Japanese. Assuming you do have you do have these these symptoms. So, you know, as as a karate guy, I think um, you know, if you start feeling like this, about half of the the martial arts guys I know would just rub some tiger balm on it and the the other half would go to an acupuncturist you know to get their uh chi and meridians stimulated while simultaneously snorting powdered tiger penis what what can you actually do i mean you treat it is it, is it chicken soup and seven up like a common cold or what should you actually do if you have the minor yeah the mild symptoms sure so chicken soup is actually a great idea so it's it's the it's the same rules apply, um, you know, of course, self-quarantining yourself away from your family and friends and, you know, still use video chat if you can or whatever else works for you. Hmm. Um, keep yourself hydrated because we know that when you fever, you're sending out, you're sweating a lot. You're also losing um, hydration and water from your body, um, your skin uh, as well. So staying as hydrated as you can. Um, and chicken soup is great for that. Yeah. And then uh, keep monitoring your symptoms. We know that Folks who, who, at least from the ones that we've seen in the hospital, they tend to fever all day long. So that's, that's what p makes people really feel crummy. Mm -hmm. So just keep checking your temperature. And then um, ideally, uh, over, uh, as time goes on, you'll, you'll start to feel better. And then, you know, you may be able to creep out of your cave uh, with a mask on and, you know, say hi to your family. Of course, washing your hands uh, and, and being respectful not to touch other parts of the house. Sure. Or faces in the house um, until you're 72 hours fever free. Okay, great, great. Now, um, is there anything else that we should be aware of from the, the virus 
know, any other information we should know about the virus itself? Is there anything important points that we missed? Yeah. Um, so folks who we're learning a lot of this on the fly, I don't know how many people are actively doing martial arts that are on things like dialysis, but right. there are times when folks who have um, other severe diseases, when they end up with COVID-19, it can be, it doesn't necessarily show up in the normal way. And when I, I, I want to be very specific about severe disease because then I don't want it to seem like, oh, you know, I, I have a history of very asthma, therefore I'm going to show up with like a foot that's swollen instead. But folks right. who have heart failure or things like that may end up showing up with what looks like a heart failure exacerbation. Mm. But it could have been caused by COVID-19 or folks who are, have kidney problems show up with some manifestation of worsening kidney disease, mm-hmm. which may have been from that. You know, and again, these are people who are pretty advanced medical problems already and they just show up looking like this is just another routine you know exacerbation of my otherwise advanced medical problem and it, it's not so, it's actually the the more serious underlying uh underlying infection of the of this new virus exactly mm. so you know and again that's where it goes back to if for some other reason you would have gone to the hospital anyway and it's you don't think it's related to covid you should still go. It's, I'm not saying it's always going to be because of COVID-19, but you should still be treated if you feel like you're, you need help. Okay, absolutely. Um, now, so for the martial artists out there, our dojo's closed. We're doing video classes, but people do listen to this podcast from all over the world, and, and some of them haven't been hit as hard as we have in, uh, in the U.S. yet, and the, the schools might still be open. Uh, or, you know, at some point, hopefully very soon, we'll be given the all clear and we'll start having classes uh, at our school again. So what are some things that people can do if your area hasn't been hit that hard yet to make sure that, that you don't have an outbreak in your dojo? And then when we go back, how do we make sure that uh, somebody doesn't get it or we've cleaned and sterilized the dojo well enough that it's, uh, we're not going to have a new infection? Right. So I, I think uh, one of the first things that, you know, any, any dojo can do to protect its members is making sure to clean all of the what they call the high touch areas, which is things like doorknobs, sinks in the bathroom, even the handle on the toilet. You know, for example, we have an attendance area at, uh, at, at our dojo where everybody signs in just, you know, to make sure that we can track who's been who's at what class. Mm-hmm. So that area, wiping that down. And it doesn't have to be a bleach wipe or a bleach product that is definitely going to kill this virus. But this virus is a pretty weak virus on its own. Hmm. So even things with Lysol or hydrogen peroxide in it will work to kill this virus. Okay. So, yeah, so anything like that would be the best. If you're cleaning the the deck in your dojo or the mats as well with, with products like that too, general disinfectant products, it'll work to get rid of this too. Okay. The other thing I would say is that any... Anybody coming in and out of the dojo should wash their hands or use um, hand sanitizer. And for a while, if there, is, if there is already a little bit of a prevalence in the area, do not try to do things like sparring, really close, like judo, close contact kind of activities, because that, of course, means prolonged contact as well. And keep in mind, every time someone key eyes, they could be key eyeing COVID up everywhere, so... What if your sparring matches um, are only one minute? You said we can have it takes two minutes to expose. <laughs> it depends on who you're sparring. If they're really uh, key eyeing a whole lot, <laughs> ah, okay, okay, then you have to be careful. But um, but you know th- those things are probably the, the the biggest things you can do. Anybody who is feeling any kind of symptom should keep themselves away. You make sure you're protecting your other karate ka right. as well by not coming to the dojo if you're even if you feel like oh man i might be having a fever or a cough or this is a new sore throat for me or a new cough so yeah i know a point of pride for a lot of karate guys is, is working out through injuries and illnesses and things like that but maybe for the next month or so you just do that but in your own living room right exactly so be as tough as you want at home but don't bring your other karate god down in the process yeah Ichiwa wa shiteru
everyone, like the show? Enjoy hearing interviews with martial artists from around the world? Then share it with a friend, family member, co-worker, everyone at your dojo, your fellow karateka. You can find new episodes every Sunday at choptalk.podbean.com. That's choptalk.podbean.com. And don't forget to like the show on Facebook. Thanks. mentioned uh when in last week's episode or two weeks ago Ezra Scott and I were talking about one of the great things that we did at our dojo uh was we had you and uh the rest of the Kosho medical staff give a first aid seminar and went over some of the very common injuries uh that uh you'd see in the martial arts uh training now <clears throat> we're running a little bit short on time so I would like to maybe we can have you back on another episode and uh, and and talk about those. But uh, what I yeah. would like to do now is, and, and I didn't I didn't tell you about this, but uh, we're going to have the lightning round. Oh boy! Oh boy! <laughs> I'm gonna I have a okay. list here of some of the most horrific martial arts related injuries that I've either seen or heard about. Um. I'm going to leave off names and, and identifying details because, uh, you know, I don't want to have any HIPAA violations here on my part. Fair um, enough. <laughs> but uh, you tell us, so you're in the dojo, you see this horrific injury, and uh, how you would treat it right away. Okay, first, guy's sparring, but he has his thumbs up. Guy comes in with a sidekick, hits him in the thumb. The thumb is literally kicked off. It's split from the, the between the finger all the way down, hanging by just a little piece of meat. What do you do? Okay, so it's still physically attached to the hand. By skin. Maybe by a tendon. Skin. Okay. Okay. So first thing whenever anybody gets injured with anything is to run through the ABCDs, which includes its airway. And I know this is silly in this case because this is going to be a quick exam probably for this guy who's screaming. Right. But – Airway, if they're screaming, they have an airway. B is breathing. If they're screaming, they are breathing. Mm. C is circulation. So if he's feeling a pulse on the carotid or the neck, that's usually what we're squeezing when we're trying to do a choke, mm. um, is the carotid, carotid arteries. And then after that is D, such as, as deformity, such as like mentally, not there, things like that. Now, mm. I'm assuming this, this guy was probably screaming out in pain and horror at his thumb. I heard he so, finished the match. Now, I don't know about screaming and horror. Well, let's oh. give him credit and say that he, he taped it up and, and went ahead and finished the match. Maybe he didn't win, but he did finish it. Fair enough. So it, so it's a little bit different if it's detached versus attached. So if it's attached, then what I would do is I would put on gloves first off uh, so you're not contaminating yourself or the person who you're trying to treat. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then I would just gently find a way to stabilize it with an ice pack around it. Now it's very important in this case, normally if it's in a detached digit, you want to use two bags. So you have one bag with ice in it mm-hmm. and then you're going to take uh, a, the, whatever body part you have that's detached, put it in a second bag and put that bag in there. Okay. And the reason is that you don't want to get it too wet. You don't want to get it too uh, cold where it causes frostbite because they can actually reattach a lot of these. Okay. So, yeah, so for this case, I'd probably jerry-rig something like that uh, and try to immobilize the hand with a splint as well as I could. Okay. Now, once it's immobilized, you want to at least touch one of the other, I guess not the thumb in this case, but like the index finger or the middle finger, make sure there's still good blood flow to that part of the hand. Mm-hmm. And then straight to the emergency room. Okay, all right, sounds good. Now, okay, next. So we'll we'll keep with the removal of body parts here, and uh, there's two different scenarios, but they both wound up with a similar situation. Uh, maybe there's a difference. You can tell me, doctor. So the first one was uh, a guy was working with uh, a kama, which uh, most most karate guys know this, but it's about a foot long stick with a, a blade going at a 90 degree angle forward. So he does a, a forward block with a kama, and he's supposed to do a double diagonal cut like across the person's chest. He's running a kata. He's not fighting somebody, and when he does the cut the two blades get hooked. He kind of freaks out a little bit. He opens them back up and cuts again, except he cuts shallow on one and has cut himself his wrist 
because uh, handoff right at the wrist. Now, the other situation was this. Uh, the karate guy, this was the 70s, okay, got mad at somebody and punched through the front window, uh, plate glass window. The window then fell down, uh, the window that was above where he punched, and sliced his hand completely off. So we have two hands completely cut off of two different karate guys. What do we do? So, again, the first thing I would do is my ABCDs. Now, the one I'm really going to be worried about is that C, circulation. Mm. When you cut off the hand, there are two major arteries that run through the, the wrist into the hand. One is the radial, one is the ulnar. Those two arteries are going to start spurting. As soon as that hand comes off, just like in all the movies, where they just start spurting as your pulse goes. Mm. Uh, so you're losing a good amount of blood through your wrist as soon as that happens. Um, and then you add on top of that, now these guys are, as we said earlier, credit cost, so they're probably taking this like chance. Yeah, However, if this is you know somebody who hasn't done a lot of karate that has this, they're going to be freaking out. And on top of all of this, they're probably going to start passing out. Mm. So making sure that they don't fall back, hit their head, get them down seated, probably try to keep their legs up, and then raise that stump wrist above the level of their heart or their chest. Okay. So that'll reduce the amount of blood flow that you're losing through the wrist. Okay. The other thing you can do is you want to be careful about this because, you know, we do this a lot in the military, but it can lead to damage. You can try to tourniquet it a little bit. I would be hesitant because if you tourniquet in certain areas, you can make all that other part uh, afterward die as well because it's not getting enough blood flow Ooh. or you could find a way to pack it so that you're stopping the blood flow from that arteries in reality nothing's really going to work too well because those are two major arteries in the hand so you really want to call 911 immediately okay now for the actual hand itself that's now lying lifeless on the ground in front of you mm-hmm. the same thing as before so you have two bags one filled with ice you put the hand into the bag that's not filled with ice put that bag into the bag of ice and okay. take that with you or give it to the guy with his other hand and send him on his way. Make sure you double bag that hand. Exactly. Okay. All right. Now, you mentioned uh, hitting the head. So here's another one. <clears throat> A guy walks into the front door of your karate school. He's wearing uh, boxing wraps on his hands and a, a, a jacket that says kickboxing champion. It challenges you to a match and then tries to hit you with a stick. You have no choice but to hit him as hard as you can, right in the jaw. He stumbles out the back, back out the front doors of the dojo, falls down, hits his head on the concrete sidewalk, and goes unconscious and starts bleeding profusely out of the back of his head. What do you do? I think I know this story. <laughs> but uh, first thing you do is get him somewhere safe. So if he's out in the middle of the sidewalk, you know, if, he's, if his head's kind of dangling out into the street, that's an indication to potentially move them. Now, I want to be very clear when people have head injuries. You do not want to move anyone with a head injury unless you have to. So mm. if you are rolling in there to, to some burning building, which you shouldn't be doing anyway, but if for some reason you are in a burning building already doing you know, your, your, your katas in there, and mm. then somebody had some type of drag, the best broken injury or something like that, and this place is going to burn down, and I have to move them, I have to move them. But... Mm. If they're not on the sidewalk, they're okay. You don't want to move them because you'd be worried about a neck injury, in which if that gets messed up, you've basically made them into a quadriplegic mm-hmm. like Christopher Reeves. Mm-hmm. So with this guy, same thing applies, ABCD. And so if, as long as he's breathing okay and he's responding and he's able to tell you, oh, my gosh, my head's going. You said he passed out, right? Right, knocked out. Is that right, Tim? Yeah. So he's knocked out completely. Okay. Well, he, so he we came to. He came to after a little while. Okay. So if he came to, in the meantime, you should be calling 911. But this guy has traumatic brain injury regardless. Mm. If you ever lose consciousness, if you get knocked out, you have gotten a concussion at least. So this guy, this guy would put a uh, wrap around his head. You can use an ice pack as you need to. If it's in the back of his head, I'm assuming where he had this bleeding episode, he probably fractured his skull, um, or at least has a scalp, a scalp cut or laceration. Right. So wrap that around, wrap gauze um, and, and bandaging around that. Um, and then you can use an ice pack. If you have one available, that'll stay safely up there, and he needs to go immediately. 
Now, other things you can do while you're waiting for an ambulance or, or a ride to the emergency room is you could ask him if he has any changes in his vision, ask him to talk as he's slurring his speech. These are all signs of brain injury that are above and beyond concussion. And he should not be kickboxing for a good while as directed <laughs> by his physician. Yeah, and especially since he's going to lose this challenge match right away. He definitely shouldn't be kickboxing. <laughs> right. Clearly uh, needs more training anyway when he's ready. All right, so let's get away from the head now. So um, uh, a guy from a local organized uh, crime syndicate uh, tries to beat you up. And you hit him so hard in the chest that it knocks him unconscious. He's laying on the street, and he has, a, I guess it's called a hematoma, a giant blood blister, right in the center mm-hmm. on his uh, sternum where he got hit. And when the cops come, they ask, oh, my God, this guy's been in a car wreck because they thought he got hit by the center column of the steering wheel. Where's his car? And then you have to tell him that, uh, yeah, somebody else drove off with it. So what do you do with this guy? He is unconscious. <laughs> Fair enough. So, uh, so he's probably broken a bunch of ribs. Mm. Um, underneath each of the ribs, there's a, a bundle of nerve, ve- uh, veins, and arteries. And so when you break a rib, it's very easy to bleed a lot around there. And then on top of that, you can actually cause a, a we call it a pulmonary contusion, but essentially it's a bruise to the lungs. That doesn't sound too extreme, okay. but those can really cause a lot of issues with breathing, and they can cause a lot of issues of fluid collection that makes it bad down the road. So for this guy, he's probably broken his sternum. That's the breastbone. Mm-hmm. He's probably broken ribs around it. So for him, really just want to try to keep him going as much as you can and get to the emergency room. There's not much you can do for broken ribs on the street. Um, mm-hmm except trying to make them as comfortable as they can be uh, until you have uh, the ambulance arrive to get him to where he needs to go. Um, obviously, unless they, they have issues where like, they go out and you need to do CPR, don't want to push on the chest too much, right. um, which may make it worse. But if someone goes out and they're not breathing or they don't have a pulse, you have to do what you have to do. Mm. Okay. All right. Uh, well, this will be the last one here. I, I have a well, not even halfway through my list here, but uh, but this will be our last one today. Maybe we can add some more of these when you come on to talk about the first aid uh, items. Okay. <clears throat> so you're in a sparring match in the late 1960s, possibly early 1970s, and there's uh, there's no hand pads or foot pads at this time, but you there are uh, sort of early versions of uh, cups, groin protectors. You come in for a side kick. Your opponent drops down and does a drop kick with a side kick right up into your groin, which cracks your prototype cup in half and ruptures one of your testicles. What do you do? Oof. <laughs> well, the first thing I would want to do is if you have any kind of material, first off, assess the the testicle make sure that it's your testicle is not getting super red and swollen and angry because at some point you're definitely going to the emergency room if it gets really really bad now if it is it's swollen up it's, it's the size of a grapefruit okay so that sounds like you're bleeding into your testicle which can become an emergency uh so what i would say is that as uncomfortable as it is if you can apply ice to the area Mm-hmm. And just just deal with it. It'll turn into a Seinfeld episode with shrinkage. But just apply <laughs> ice to the area. And then what we do in the hospital, and it's, it may not be as feasible here, is essentially trying to make a sling. So I don't really know if a banana hammock's going to work for this, but something that can kind of support the testicle. Uh, if you're going to the hospital, you can just, you can, well, yeah, that's true. I guess that would work too. Or you could support it yourself. You know, you don't want to make it so tight though that now you're, feeling super uncomfortable at the same time but mm-hmm. by elevating the testicle it's going to not hurt as bad it's going to relieve some of that pressure in there as well okay um and then just just thoughts and prayers so that you'll still have one when you when you get out <laughs> and i believe that he did he, he that that one okay the, the 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 injured one went away but the other one was still around okay fair enough <laughs> all right good i'll check that one off my list to make sure we don't double double up on that the next time you're on the show all right well uh doc thank you very much for uh taking the time to 
to join the show today. I think you gave a lot of good details about um, about this virus. Uh, if people have any other questions, uh, are you available for the, for them to contact you, uh, or is there some place that they should uh, go? Yeah, so I, the the first place I'd recommend is the CDC's website. They have a very good website for the public as well um, has a lot of great tips and toward in terms of you know if you end up getting sick or a family member does they also have some of the latest data if you really want to worry yourself about every number <laughs> you can find that there too right. um, don't go too crazy remember you still need to have a life and be a human being so right. take time for yourself as well turn off the news at least once a day and just be normal um, but that being said uh, that that's the first place I'd recommend um, you know, in terms of uh, personally speaking, I'm happy if they go through, you know, whatever setup you have. I mean, that works for me, too. Okay. Um, if, I don't know how you feel about that, and then you could pass things along. I'm happy to answer questions. Yeah. I have no problem with that. I just don't want to get flooded. But. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, if anybody has any uh, specific questions, you can reach out uh, on the Chop Talk Facebook page or uh, or email, uh, which is uh, choptalkwithnateengland at gmail.com uh, with any comments, and I'm happy to pass them along to the doc. All right. Well, uh, thanks again for joining us today. And stay safe in that hospital. Stay virus-free and appreciate everything you're doing. Absolutely. I'm happy to do it. And one day we'll all be running kata again. Yeah, hopefully one day soon. And sparring. Yes, of course. Sparring, especially. (laughs) (laughs) All right, Doc. I'll let you go, get back to work, and uh, thanks again. All right. Thank you. Thanks again to Dr. Andy Wells for joining me today and giving us all of that great information. Uh, Dr. Wells is an internal medicine physician and will be starting a cardiology fellowship this summer at a major academic medical center. He's also a member of the Kosho School of Karate right here in Cincinnati, Ohio. Also, a reminder, please, any dentists or veterinarians, uh, please consider donating your extra medical masks, gloves, or other equipment to your local hospital. Right now, uh, those people can use all the help that they can get. To find the latest info on the coronavirus and COVID-19, visit the CDC's website at www.cdc.gov. If you have any questions for Dr. Wells, reach out through the Chop Talk Facebook page or send an email to choptalkwithnateengland at gmail.com and I will forward them to the doctor. Wherever you listen, please write a review and give us a five-star rating. And if you like the show, make sure to let everyone at your dojo know. Thanks for listening. Nihidibiru and mataya. Chop Talk is brought to you by the Kosho School of Karate's premium martial arts training equipment. Frustrated with the low quality of the big manufacturers, the hassle and expense of custom-made equipment, or the months-long delivery times offered by the Japanese brands, if your order ever arrives at all? Kosho offers Makiwara, iron sandals, specialty punching bags, and other premium martial arts training equipment, all at great prices and great delivery times. Kosho equipment is guaranteed to be high quality and heavy duty, exactly what serious traditional martial artists demand. Contact the Kosho School of Karate for more information. Go to www.koshoequip.com or email koshoschoolofkarate at gmail.com. Kosho, premium martial arts training equipment for the serious martial artist.